So good morning. My name is Keith. I'm the lead and teaching pastor here at Grassroots. Uh, if you're new this morning, if this is your first time at Grassroots, a great welcome to you. I hope that you're finding everything that you, you need. Um, there's some info on the info piano back there that you can find about who Grassroots is. Uh, this is a great week for you to be visiting for two reasons. The first reason is because after church today is our monthly Discover Grassroots session. So if you're looking to know more about Grassroots, if you have maybe been here for a little while and kind of want to know more about how to plug in, uh, this lunch is for you. And so this lunch is back in the study. It'll take place right after church. So you're all welcome there uh, to come and uh, get to know more about Grassroots, what it's about, and, and how to plug in. Also, it's a good week to be here because we're beginning the first of three sermons about uh, kind of our, it's our yearly family meeting that we talk about money. I see, I see. I see. Uh, and so uh, once a year, as a church, we come in the worship, uh, in a worshipful setting to talk about how we're doing financially and to take our pledges for 2018. Now, uh, this, is, this is unusual. We, we do this, and you know, normally we, we don't kind of talk about family stuff in public, right? Our, our family uh, details and our family finances. It's not something that you normally talk about in public. Um, and so uh, we do this once a year for a couple reasons. Uh, first of all, because uh, we remind ourselves in this worshipful setting that what we do with our money has everything to do with how we worship. Now, this isn't, you know, worshiping God in one sphere of our life and our money in locked off in another sphere. It's all about worship, and we do this together. But we also do this because we want to be a little wise, right, about how we uh, treat our money. We want to talk about and celebrate how we've been, been doing uh, financially as a community because we, we, um, you, you'll notice on the baskets there, we uh, collect our money together as a community, and we pull it together in order to do some great stuff, in order to do ministry. So we pull it together and we talk about, here's how we've been doing. Because uh, I think there's a lot of questions sometimes. How, how's that going? And, and by the way, this will come in a couple weeks, but we're doing good. We're doing good financially. Um, and we have um, you know, a couple months left to reach our, our financial goals for the year. And... Uh, in order to do great, in order to meet those financial goals, we're going to you know, stay focused for the next couple of months and, and push on to December. But the good news is we're doing good, and the good news is, is that I think we'll be doing great. So we'll talk more specifics and numbers in the coming, coming weeks. Um, but, we do, but we do this because we want to look back and say, how are we doing as a community? And we want to look forward and say, what do we want to spend our money on in the future? And we talk about that as a community because... Uh, we have to, and, and we take pledges, we do you know, a pledge drive every year, we uh, ask, what, what is it that God is inspiring you to offer to the community uh, pot for the next year? And we do that because uh, we, we want to not just be sitting on a pile of money, right? Because we want to get a good sense, where are we going to be next year? What's, what's the community pot going to look like? We don't want to just have an overwhelming amount of money and just sit on it. Uh, we're going to turn it into ministry. But also, we don't want to I mean, we want to be around next year, right? So we have a sense of uh, what our limits are. So uh, here we are once again, a time of year to do our family meeting. And if you're new, 
tune in. You get to know a little bit about kind of some of the behind the scenes stuff at Grassroots and how this community works. Uh, but also we do this in a worshipful setting. So we don't just sit here and talk about crunching numbers, but we do it in a setting where we, where we uh, come into the presence of God and, and ask, well, God, what would you have of us? What would you have to teach us this year in terms of, of money? So um, fortunately and unfortunately, we come to this time of year right at our beginning of the series where we're talking about Jesus. We're just, we're just at the beginning of a year-long series talking about Jesus and, um, and, and who he is. And remember, the, the, first, uh, the first part of the series brought this picture to us. And we, we we're holding on to this idea of Jesus as a young Jewish man in a world full of power and empire um, there's enemies around, there's sickness around, and he's announcing himself as king of the world, king of it all, fulfilling so many prophecies about God becoming Israel's one and only king. Uh, and so we, we hold on to this idea that here's this young Jewish man announcing himself as king. That's the first piece of the puzzle. We're talking about getting to know Jesus and who he is. Now the second piece of the puzzle that we're holding on to is this, that his followers claimed that in, by following Jesus, coming to know him, having a relationship with this guy. It's like all of their hopes were finally, finally found a home. All of their desires, all of their heartache finally found a resting place. Their life made sense for the first time ever around this guy. And they told us that it's really worth getting to know him because he's not just a good guy that taught a few good things but he's alive today sitting at the right hand of God, the same Jesus, the same guy who can make the most sense of our life. And, and so these are the first two things we're holding on to. This is the Jesus that we follow. This is the Jesus that we want to know. And we'll be moving on and next after our family talk here these couple weeks, we'll be moving on to his healings. What did his healings, he went around healing a lot of people. What did his healings have to, to say about who he is? And then we'll get on to Christmas and and we'll be there about studying his birth and all, all his birth teaches us. So we're moving along. But here we are, fortunately and unfortunately, right in the heart of a series on Jesus. And it's, it's fortunate because Jesus has a lot to say about money. He's got a whole lot to say. And it, it like pierces our hearts. And it's like, all right, Jesus, finally getting some good orientation about what this money thing is about. Unfortunately, <laughs> he has a lot to say about money. And it pierces our hearts. And so, um, uh, <laughs> you know, you struggle through this. You know, we, we have this uh, shared offering that, that we come. We're doing the pledges. We're talking about Jesus. And, um, and unfortunately, we kind of have, I'm going to scoot past a few of these slides here. You know, we have this, these resonances in our mind of people asking us for money. Right? We have people doing pledge drives all across the radio, all across TV. We have people, movie stars, famous people doing pledge drives, asking for money for great causes. And unfortunately, more often than not, we're skeptical, aren't we? We're like, yeah, that's nice of you to ask for money, but where's it really going and how is it really being spent? And then we have pictures like this. You know, you get these people on, on TV, the great televangelists, and you have all these stories about 
their mansions. This is a mansion of a, a televangelist. You know, mansions, private jets, misappropriation of funds. We get scandals all around us about how people use finances. And, and, and it colors our, 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 our ear, or it colors our seeing. It, it shades our hearing. And, um, and we do have a, a bit sense of, um, can, you know, you get a, kind of a gross feeling. I'll put it that way. You get a little bit of a gross feeling when someone stands up and says about all the good stuff they're doing and how you should give them money. And so because of that, it's, it's a bit unfortunate because when I, I want to teach us about Jesus' view of money full on. No, no sort of sense of holding him back to what he wants to say to us. But I also realize that, you know, we're doing our pledge, pledges this year right now. So uh, there is a bit of weirdness, a bit of ickiness, and it's hard to know how to navigate it because a lot of us, whether we like it or not, a lot of us have been wounded or hurt or disaffected by the way Christians have done the money thing. And uh, Grassroots Church so deeply wants to be and is a home for people who've been hurt by church. We want to be a place that if you've been hurt by church, if you've been disaffected by church, you can come to this place and find a home here. And, and to be sensitive to that, to be sensitive to the fact that there is this great kind of cloud that goes over our head when it comes to pledge drives. Um, we're going we're gonna to take a little, bit of a, um, a little bit of an angle towards Jesus' money, teaching on money. And we're going come to come back to it in the spring to talk specifically when there's no pledges. You all have, give, have given your pledges by then. Uh, we're going to come back to it in the spring, and we're going to just do the full-orbed, full-throated teaching on money. So that's, we can talk about that if, if that rubs you the wrong way or rubs you the right way. I don't know. You can talk about that. We can have coffee or something. But uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to uh, spend the next few weeks talking about um, Jesus' view on how we can pool our money together to do great things in the world. So Jesus' Jesus teaching on money has three points. Beware, money wants your devotion. So he says things like, you cannot serve both God and money. Either you will hate the one and love the other or love the one and hate the other. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And his big point is like money becomes an idol. It wants your devotion. His second point is you've got to free yourself from the power of money and its effects by giving it away increasingly. He says things like, sell your possessions and give your money to the poor. And if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And, and, and here's, here's the rub. Here's what I'm trying to say. I've heard over and over and over again this message. Money is an idol. Free yourselves from the idol. Give your money to me. Hear that? <laughs> that's, that's the ickiness. That's the ickiness that has come along with all of this stuff. So uh, we're going to get to these two, first two points in the spring. Beware, your money wants your devotion. Free yourself from the power of money and its effects by giving it away increasingly. Jesus is, there's no, he's not ashamed to just say that. Uh, but here's his third point. Use money and time and all your resources to build for God's kingdom. How do we build for God's kingdom? Preaching, healing, worship, and formation opportunities. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to spend three weeks talking about this third point. Use money and time and all your resources to build for God's kingdom. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to hold on that slide for a minute and just tell you a story. Uh, so uh, 
A couple weeks back, I told a story about how last year, Grassroots hosted uh, a party for the Syrian refugees that the church community has sponsored. And the party was in this room, and it was, there's lots of grassrooters here, and a good majority of the Muslim community were, were here. They brought dishes, we brought food, we brought together. And, and though, we, though we worship different gods, there was a moment of shared solidarity, of shared meal, and uh, a celebration that, that uh, from my perspective at least, this church has taken Jesus' call to shelter vulnerable people seriously. And in that, in that meal, there was a, a group of guys who didn't speak a lick of English. <laughs> they couldn't speak at all. And so we got to it, and I was like, what do you what do, you do for a living? And he said, I'm a, I'm a salesman. I said, what do you sell? And he says, uh, cars. And so we got talking. I thought I was talking to a car salesman. And he, he called his daughter over. He said, come, come over here and, uh, and uh, help, because his daughter speaks English. Come translate. And so he translated. I said, what does your dad do? And what does he do? You know, and speaks, speaks different language back to the father. And the girl goes, oh, he's a farmer. <laughs> you know, so there's this great sort of cultural disconnect. Well, uh, last weekend, I guess it was last weekend, a couple weekends ago. I've lost track of time now. Uh, last weekend, a couple weekends ago, uh, the community hosted a Thanksgiving meal for the Kurdish uh, population of the Syrian refugees. Now, if you don't know much about the cultural history over there, the Kurdish people are a cultural minority in uh, Turkey, in Syria, and Iraq, and in, in that region. And they already are a minority group who are vulnerable in that setting. So they've come out of becoming, being a vulnerable people and have become refugees and have come over to Canada and ha, you know, have put themselves in a further, I mean, put themselves, they found themselves in a further um, level of, of vulnerability. So... Uh, the church community says, let's uh, congregate and invite the Kurdish population of, of, of folks in, uh, in Thunder Bay, and let's uh, host a Thanksgiving meal. And, and we did it, and it was awesome. Um, and there was uh, kids and people, and we were out at a camp, and it was beautiful. I'm just so glad that I'm part of a community that uh, takes Jesus this seriously and his call to shelter vulnerable people. Well, the same guy who, who was the farmer came. He was there. And uh, he stepped out of his car, and I remembered his name. And I went, hey, and I called out his name. And he kind of looked at me like, like this. And his daughter was there who had translated for us. And, uh, and, you know, I was like, it's Keith. I don't know if you remember me. And we did the handshaking thing, and he was smiling. And, and his daughter, and they were talking back and forth. And eventually she goes, he doesn't remember you. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, so I thought, you know, and then I thought, oh man, and then he sort of like giving me a bit of a cold shoulder. He doesn't want to talk to me. So anyway, I was like, well, I guess we're not friends. Um, and, uh, but later on, at the end of the day, like, he and his, his wife had come over and they were, they were talking. And just, they just don't know English very well. And so I think there's embarrassment there. Anyway, uh, I just, I'm telling this story because I, I love the fact that this, this church asks the question, how can we do great things how can we do powerful things with the money that this community has uh, pools together? And that's just one example of the many that Grassroots has done and will continue to do, using money and our time and all resources to build for God's kingdom. So, uh, yeah, there's three points to this. And, you know, I'm just sort of setting this all up. Our, we use our money and our time and all of our resources to build for God's kingdom. And here's that our pooled resources of money, time, and energy can make a big difference. And I'll finish off the sermon today just talking about that point. We can make a big difference by putting our money together 
and using it for good things. Uh, this next week, I'm going to talk about this idea of living parables, creating living parables that help to build God's kingdom and the resources this takes. Living parables are uh, a throwback to Jesus' own use of parables. Jesus went around telling people parables and stories, and it made people go, what? What do you mean, Jesus? And we can today go about in a culture, in a world that thinks that it already knows Christianity, that it's already been there and done that and said, no, thank you to Christianity. We can go about doing things that break the fog, that make people shake their heads once again and go, what, what is that? What, what do you mean? Why would you do that? And that's a living parable. So we'll talk about that next week. And then the final, final week, we'll talk about how Jesus wants us to use our power and privilege, no matter how great or small. He wants us to use his power and privilege to anticipate the new creation. And we'll talk about that in two weeks' time and give a little more specifics about how Grassroots wants to use its money in 2018. So here we are. This is, this is what we're talking about. And uh, as we jump into Jesus' own view of money, um, there's a couple of first points that we make. Getting to know Jesus and how he, how he views money, what, what, what he has to say about it. The first thing is that Jesus chooses a life of poverty with women supporting him. Now this, is, this is actually something to, to pause and to just take in. This is a very unusual thing for him to have done. He was a carpenter. He wasn't a vagabond. He wasn't someone, a street person. He was someone who had a career. He had someone who uh, worked for his uh, father, uh, together with his father, in the carpentry, uh, building houses, build, constructing all sorts of things. And uh, he had an established, steady life. And the place where he went to live in Capernaum after he left Nazareth, he probably set up a bit of a station there too. And before he really launched out into his full-time uh, preaching and teaching and healing ministry, he had a good job. But at some point, he chooses to leave. And, and he, he tells us this, in this, again, this little parable, this little weird thing that makes us go, what? What do you mean? He says um, to people who had come to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. This is his choice. He's choosing a life on the road, a life where he doesn't have a home, doesn't have a cushy bank account, doesn't have anything but just him and the elements and his followers. He's got nowhere to lay his head. That's what he's saying. Now, also that he, had, he chose to have women support him. So soon afterwards, he went through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, whom, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward, Chusa. Now, let's just pause there for a second. Joanna, the wife of of Herod's steward, Jesus. Remember, there's two people in Jesus' life that, that were already proclaiming to be king over the land that he was starting to proclaim kingship over. Rome, with the Caesar, Tiberius Caesar, who ruled the known world, and Herod, Herod Antipas, the guy who was sort of king over Jesus' local region. The steward of Herod is the guy who was in charge of all his books, all his finances, taking care of all of everything, right? This guy's wife leaves Chusa, leaves Herod's court, and follows Jesus. And I think this is probably why Herod Antipas was so, part of why he was so upset with Jesus, because part of the sustaining of his ministry was coming out of Herod's coffers. See how that works? Okay, so Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward, Chusa, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their resources. So Jesus chooses a life of poverty 
and he had the women, uh, some women supporting him. Now, uh, to have anyone supporting you is interesting in its own right, but to have the women of your disciples following you, that's, a, that's an even bigger statement in that day and age. So, uh, he does this for a reason. He must do the, he's, he's making an explicit choice here, and he's, he's, um, he's trying to tell us something, and we'll get into that. What is it that he's telling us? Second thing is, is that Jesus seems to have little regard for paper or coin money. You remember someone came up and challenged him about taxes once, about who should you, should you give taxes or not? And he says this, show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, whose head is this and whose title? They answered, the emperor's. Then he said to them, give therefore to the emperor the things that are emperors and to the gods the things that are gods. When they heard this, they were amazed and they left him and went away. We'll get into this teaching. It's an amazing teaching. But here's the point. Show me the, he didn't have any money on him. He didn't carry money with him. He didn't have, any, he didn't have a purse, didn't have anything to keep his money in. Um, he just, he, he, other people were supporting him. So he seemed to have little regard for trying to keep a pocket full of change. Interesting things. So here we are. Um, oh. Yeah, this last point here. Um, join in Jesus' great work. He, he believes that we can use our resources to join him. Um, you remember this story? There, when Jesus heard this, he said to them, there is still one thing you lack. This, this rich young man came to him and said, I will follow you to the ends of the earth. I am your devotee. I will, I will follow you wherever he goes. And Jesus said, there is still one thing you lack. Sell all that you own and distribute the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. But when he heard this, he became sad for he was very rich. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard him said it, uh, then who can be saved? He replied, what is impossible for mortals is possible for God. And then Peter said, look, we have left. Then Peter, he stands up. He's like, ah, we've done it for you, Jesus. We've, we've done it. We've left our homes and followed you. And he said, truly, I tell you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not get back very much more in this age and in the age of e to come eternal life. So the point is this. I mean, Jesus is saying, look, I want you to join in. Don't just, like, don't just sit back and don't just sort of observe this work. Use it. Use what you have to join in what, I've, what I'm doing here. And I tell you what, when you do, you're going to find a life that you've been looking for and have, have been it's been impossible to grasp since then. So these are a few starting points that get us oriented in the right direction. But here's more specifically. We're going to look at Luke 12 today. Uh, our pooled resources of money, time, and energy can make a big difference. That's our first point. So Jesus comes, and um, there's a couple, a couple things that happen to him in, in, in his, his ministry. And one of these is, is quite amazing. Uh, a couple guys, he's walking down the road one day. A couple guys come to him and say, Jesus, this is my brother. Our father has died, but he, he's not splitting the inheritance like he's supposed to. Convince him that, to give me half the money. And Jesus says, why do you think I'm the guy to help you do that? I mean, what, what is, that? is that my role? I mean, go to a judge. And, um, and uh, he begins telling this parable. Again, 
this parable, the thing that makes you scratch your head and go, what in the world is he getting at? He tells this parable, and it's called the parable of the rich fool. And here's the story. There was once upon a time a guy whose land was prosperous. He had a, he's a farmer. His land was full and abundant. And um, he had lots of barns that he stored all his produce in. And he realized that his barns were no longer big enough to store all the produce in that he was, he was uh, producing. And so uh, he said, um, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my old barns and build bigger barns. And uh, I will put uh, all of my excess into the barns. And I'll be able to retire. I'll be able to eat, drink, and be merry. But that very night. God came to him and said, you fool, for this night, your life will be taken, asked from you, taken from you. You'll die tonight. And everything that you've collected in this big barn will go to those who you didn't inherit it to. And the two brothers were like, that doesn't help us, Jesus. Thanks a lot. You know, like, we're looking for some practical solutions here. And so he, 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 he goes on, and in this, in this sort of... Um, this dialogue, there's all these catchphrases, these wisdom parables, these wisdom sayings that Jesus comes up with. And be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for life's, one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And so it is with those who store up this rich fool. So it is with those who store up for themselves treasures on earth, but are not rich towards God. And then he gets, as if he knows our hearts, and if he knows what this is all about and what the money is all about, he goes straight to anxiety. He says, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious for anything. He says, who of you by worrying can add one single hour to your lifespan? Or how about this? Life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Um, he says, consider, consider the lilies and the birds. God takes care of them. God takes care of all of this creation. And how much more worthwhile are you than the lilies of the field. God's got you. He's taking care of you. Don't be anxious about your food or your clothing or all the bank account that provides for those things. So this is, this is powerful stuff, and we'll, and we'll get into this. But he, here's the point today. He, and then he says, do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, sometimes um, there's another part in, uh, in Jesus' life where someone comes up to him and they says, says Jesus, uh, teach us to pray. And, and he goes into this, the, the Lord's Prayer. And then he says, um, your Father in heaven knows your, what you need. He knows your good, the good gifts that um, he's giving to you. And he goes on and he says, pray like this. And pray that he prayed the Lord's Prayer. And your Father will give you, and, and we're waiting for the punchline, like 100,000 bucks a new car, everything. Your father will give you the Holy Spirit. And we're like, Holy Spirit? What good is that? I, want, I, need some, I need some food. I need some clothes. But Jesus is taking his deeper. He says, there's a way of being that casts all of your, your cares on God that realizes there's something far more rich, far richer than all the things we're striving after. And this is his point here too. Your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now sell your possessions and give to the poor. And this is the part that really, we really scratch our heads. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near, no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, 
there your heart will be also. And there's another one of those one-liners that really get at you. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And here's the point. We have to figure out what does he mean by making purses for ourselves do not wear out an unfailing treasure in heaven. Well, I was laying in bed last night still trying to like claw this saying apart and get on the inside of it. And all I've come up with is this. Sell your possessions, give alms, make purses for yourselves. So, okay, if we have purses for ourselves that do wear out, what is that? What is a purse that wears out? A purse is something you put your investments in, you put your coin and your paper in, and you keep it there. But, but Jesus is saying there's a way to do that in this life. There's a way to invest your life and invest your money in, in a purse that will wear out. It'll get a little hole in the bottom, and coins will start falling through. It'll... Uh, It'll, the moth will eat the purse, or you've invested in expensive clothing. Your closet's full of expensive clothing, and here the moth comes and eat little holes in it. And no, it's no, there are things that we can invest our time and energy in that just wear out. But there are things that we can invest our time and energy in that will last forever. And the, and the question is, what is that? What is the thing that lasts forever? And um, what is it, and how do we invest our time in that way? Our pooled resources of money, time, and energy can make a big difference. We can, as a community, put our finances together, put our coin and our paper together, and turn it into something that lasts forever. That's the challenge. We can do that. And I think this is a community that we're on our toes going, what is that? What, is, what are the great ideas? What are the great things that we can do in this place that will build God's kingdom, that will build for God's kingdom? And make a big difference where no moth or rust or uh, anything else can, can destroy. There's no thief that can come in and take it. So uh, how do we get, let's get a little more specific here. Um, so let's say do something. Do something. So ask these questions. What am I investing my time and energy in? This is good for your personal life and good for a community life. We always have to be asking these questions. What am I investing my time and energy in? Is it sports? Is it my career? Is it music? My family? My physical fitness? Business ventures? My spiritual life even? Organizations that I'm part of? How are you investing your time and energy? And the beautiful thing about Jesus, he doesn't come in and say, he doesn't come in and say, just forget about all that stuff. When he says, give it all away and follow me, here's what he means. How can you turn it from something that wears out into something that doesn't wear out? This is, this is the deeper wisdom inside of Jesus' teaching. How can I use what I'm investing in to heal, to help people become their whole selves? That's the question we always have to ask. Not start a new life, not start a, sometimes God calls us to start a new life, but oftentimes it's after a long season of discernment. How can you take what you're already invested in, what you're already spending your time and money in, and turning it to the healing of others, to help the people become their whole selves? What does this look like in, the sport, in your sports life? Some of you are very invested in sports. And some of you are already asking the question, how can I use my time invested in sports to connect with people, hurting people who are themselves invested in sports? 
Some of you are in your business ventures and have coworkers and bosses and employees whose lives are just falling apart at the seams. How can you use your positions in your workplaces to heal others and to bring wholeness and healing to them? Another good question to ask, what, does what I am doing now, investing, seem to serve its own reward or is it helping others? And this is just a place where we've got to be honest with ourselves in public or private, who, who knows? Um, does what am I, am I doing seem to serve its own reward? And we get that feeling inside like my time and energy has gone to food or clothing or, or recreation or something. And we do it and we realize, oh, yeah. I love that. That's, that's nice. It's so nice. But we, but we realize it ends there. It, it stops there. The period stops there. How can we take it a step further and say, does the food and the clothing and the recreation, how can we use it to heal people who are lonely or isolated or broken? That's the great question. That's what Jesus is getting at here. Make purses that do not wear out, he says. Now, I, want, I just wanted to, to say one more thing here um, about how this all works. Because this, these are challenging things for us. You know, I, I have to ask myself this. You have to ask yourself this. And we as a community have to go, are, are we sitting on a pile of money or are we sitting on a pile of, uh, of, of resources? And are we just sitting on them or are we using them? And if we're using them, are we using them as, as most, as to, to the most powerful degree that we can? Um, but the question does come up about rest. Okay, you're painting a picture of activity and ministry and healing and putting ourselves out there and giving and giving and giving and giving. But what about like replenishing? What about self-care? What about all of that? And so I wanted to just take a moment to talk about rest. Rest is a, a key part of the Jewish and Christian worldview. Rest is not recreation. Rest is rest. Rest is breathing deeply and saying, I can take a moment of pause from my productive lifestyle. The, the, what, here's how this starts. Here's how this whole thread begins in our religious tradition. This is how it begins. There's a group of people enslaved to a guy named Pharaoh. And they want freedom. They don't want rest. They want, they want to be emancipated from their slavery. And so they, uh, a guy comes and asks for it. Moses, their leader, asks for some some, some rest for some relief. We just want to go out to worship our God in the desert, says Moses to Pharaoh. But Pharaoh comes back and says, ha, huh, you want rest? How about you make the same amount of bricks that I'm already having you make, but this time you got to go out and collect your own straw. And then it gets worse. They ask again and he clinches his fists tighter and tighter. That's the situation out of which the Israelites came. And the four chapters later, Four chapters later in the book of Exodus, they find themselves finally free. God rescues them from the slavery in Egypt. And he gives them ten commandments, ten ways of being in the world, ten ways of acting. And the big four, the fourth one, is you shall rest. Take a day off. Here's my kingdom. Not more bricks, more straw. Just take a day off. Rest. Delight in the creation that I've given. I don't need your productivity to build my kingdom. You might need it to build yours. But I don't need your productivity to build my kingdom. I, I, I've got this. But I want you part of it. Six other days, I want you part of it. Coming to me. So rest and Sabbath. So Jesus comes on the scene. And by this time, they had, 
the, the Jewish people had built up a lot of different uh, regulations about how to keep the Sabbath well. And Jesus did it. He kept the Sabbath well. He knew the importance of rest and not overproductivity. But he comes in and he starts doing things on the Sabbath that he shouldn't be doing. Like healing people. A guy with a withered hand. A guy who's sick in church. He comes in and heals them. And the religious leaders are just seething because he's broken the laws. And Jesus says, the Sabbath is not made for for man, or man is not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath is made for the human beings, which is to say, um, you've made what was meant to be a rest and you've turned it into something that it hasn't supposed to be. Now, here's the point. Jesus, what Jesus is doing, shifting rest, is he's saying it's just as holy and good to give someone else a Sabbath than to take one for yourself. There are people out in this world, we could, probably, we could probably drive for five minutes in every direction and see them. People in this world who have no rest because they have no food or no clothing. And it's just as holy for us to find ways to give them a Sabbath as it is for us to take a Sabbath. So because of this, uh, I've challenged the, the community here to start a practice. And we're calling it Sabbath and Service. This is, this is me going, um, and, and, and a bunch of you, as we, as we dream together, going, how can, we, um, how can we use our time and our resources and energy, pull them together to do something good for the world uh, in, in a greater way? So Sabbath and service. So once a month, on a Saturday, four times this year, a few times next, uh, once a month, every month, on a Saturday, let's get together at church and let's enjoy each other. Let's rest. Let's play games. Let's, as a, as a whole community, feast, stop what we're doing, and, and enjoy each other in resting on these grounds. And then, once one o'clock hits or so, let's go out to the local community and give some Sabbath where there's no Sabbath to be had. Let's go out and serve the local community together. So uh, 9 a.m. this Saturday is going to be the first of Sabbath and service. We're going to get together here in the church. Someone is going, we're going we're to hang out for a bit, relax, enjoy each other. Someone's going to provide a, a, an experience for us called um, the, the Kairos Blanket Exercise. We're going to have someone narrate uh, and for us, and so that we can remember the history of European people coming to uh, settle this land. And uh, yeah, it's, I've done this exercise. It's, it's kind of hard, hard history, to, hard story to hear. But remember, it's just as holy to take a Sabbath, to give a Sabbath, and it's to take a Sabbath. So we're going we're gonna, to um, do the exercise, hang out here, and then we're going to go out to Eagle's Cove. A, uh, a property that's about a half hour's drive from here, 40-minute drive from here. And it's a place devoted to helping Aboriginal families find healing and wholeness together as families. Uh, it's, it's the off-season, and they have a lot of work that needs to be done out there. So we're going to go as a community, serve alongside of each other for a couple hours out at Eagles Cove, and give some Sabbath to a community um, that, is, that is itself giving Sabbath to others. So... Uh, 
expect more of this. This is deep in my heart and deep in yours, as I've found this last year. Um, we, we can rest. We need rest. Uh, but rest, um, rest can look like many things. And uh, I believe that being together once a month on a Saturday and going out and doing some local service, this, we will find a lot of, of rest and refreshing together as we go out and put our hands to the plow. So, all that to say, um, we can do great things as we pool our resources together. And this community is asking and has asked and will continue to ask, how can we do that better and better and better and wiser and wiser and wiser? And that's why we give pledges. That's why we do a community pot. That's why we all put our money in uh, to the middle to say, uh, how, how can we, with great wisdom and creativeness, do great things in this world that build for God's kingdom. And Jesus, Jesus leads the way. He teaches us that we can take our coin and our paper and put it together and make something that will never, never fail. It will be seen throughout all of eternity. So we'll get into this some more in the coming weeks. And uh, it's a, a beautiful teaching that Jesus has, a beautiful strain of his teaching through. Uh, but we, we remember, and I love this picture. That's why I use this one, this um, this is Jesus who's at the temple, and he's turning the corner here and sees a widow, someone who's poor, and they don't, they don't have much, but they give out of the abundance of their, she's giving out of the abundance of her resources, that, um, that no matter how much we have, whether it's little or a lot, Jesus, um, Jesus is looking at and delighting in uh, the communal practice of, of sharing, uh, sharing resources. So we'll get into this story, but it's, it's the one who we, we remember this week, um, with his teaching on uh, putting ourselves together to, to give for the world. And we remember that at some point, at one crucial point in his life, he recognized that his life was coming to an end. He realized that his ministry, his teachings, his way in the world was coming to an end because uh, he needed his, his body needed to be broken and his blood needed to be shed. He needed to give everything pay everything he had, even his very life, and give it out to God. And so he, on, you know, on the night that he gave himself up for us, he had a meal with his disciples to teach them what to do, how to remember this, because I want you, he's saying over and over again, I want you to follow in my footsteps. I want you to give yourself to the degree that I'm giving myself. And some of you may be asked for it all at some point, and there have been many Christian brothers and sisters over the ages that have given it. Oh. Um, so he's, he's coming with his disciples. He's probably wafting with the smell of expensive perfume because someone about a week before or a few days before had this bottle of rich, rich perfume. Like they could have sold it for, I don't know, a year's wage. It was so, so much. And instead of going and cashing it in, they poured it out. They broke it over Jesus and it was expensive oil. So uh, here Jesus was wafting with expensive perfume, getting ready to pour out his whole life. And he says, um, whenever you meet, whenever you gather, take this bread, take this cup, uh, and remember that this is the blood of my new promise, my new covenant with you, that uh, there's a way of being that can make this world and truly change it. And my people will go out to the ends of the earth and do it. And so, Brothers and sisters, welcome to week one of family meeting. Uh, 
We'll continue on. But whatever it is that the Lord, the Lord is stirring up inside of you, I know that many of you are coming from many places this morning, hard places, some of you, uh, good places, others, uh, joyful places, some of you. Whatever it is that God is stirring in your heart today, whatever it is he's told you, this is a chance to respond, to come up, to take the bread, to dip it in the juice, to take it inside of you, and for it to become part of your nourishment and your DNA today uh, as, you, um, as, as you go forth. Um, yeah, I had another thought, but it just scooted out. <laughs> so I'm inviting you today. I invited you from wherever you're at today to come forth as a prayer, as a way to receive God's love, as a way to receive God's blessing, as a way to uh, receive God's guidance. Come up and uh, take a piece of bread, dip it in the juice. The table is set, and everyone here is welcome.